I want you to go with me to 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel, one of my favorite books of the Bible. 2 Samuel chapter 9. And I'm going to read only three verses. And when you have it, I want you to stand with me for the reading of God's word. This is the last time I'll ask you to stand before I dismiss. If you stand any time between that, is you know, that's on you. But um, uh, I want us to stand together in concert as we read these three verses. When you have 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1 through verse 3, I want you to signify by saying, I have the bread. And David said, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Are you Ziba? And he said, It's me. Verse 3. And the king said, Is there anybody left out of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan has one son. He don't count. He's lame on his feet. And all of God's people said, amen. You can share this with the person beside you. Sit down. Tell them God had to break me to save me. God had to break me. To save me. If uh, pastoring three churches and leading out a reformation and taking care of my family and this itinerant schedule was not enough to exhaust me, the newsreel of the last seven days have almost depleted me. Now, some of you, um, your social media timeline is a reflection of your desires and your likes. So you don't know anything past reality TV shows. But for us who don't just discuss people, but we dive into events and happenings, we who have not just a domestic but an international mandate, our spirits have been in turmoil. Because we can't unsee what we've been seeing. And we can't unhear what we've been hearing. When, you're, when things are going on, your laugh is not as deep as it usually is. And the load is not as light as it usually is. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm making reference to the conflict uh, in the geographical part of the world that we label as the Middle East. That label in itself is a little complicated. Israel. I won't dive in it too deep tonight because... 
the discussion within itself is a very wide and yet deep discussion. But eventually it's going to boil down to what we believe about the scriptures. Just to preface my point and I will expedite so I can get to the text without making this any sense of a political speech because quickly some people will throw up walls and they'll miss the gist or the depth of what the Lord is saying tonight. During times like this, conflicts like this, and timelines and posts and cliches and thoughts, people start building their ideology from individuals who don't have holy reference points themselves. You got to be careful where you eat from. Now, this is a more interfaith, interdenominational, fluid culture when it comes to ideologies and thoughts. But when we were growing up in church, although in Pentecost, we were a little cultish when it came to some of our teachings. But our pastors used to tell us, you can't eat from everybody's table. Some of you, some of you are too rebellious to even understand uh, the culture that we were birthed from because some of you wouldn't have been able to handle it. They didn't let us, for some of them, they didn't let us sing in community choirs. (laughs) Mama didn't let us spend the night at everybody's house. Because I don't know what they're doing over at that house. You know? And then our desire to be tolerant and accepting of everybody, we've also taken on their ideologies. That saints have anointing oil and burning sage. Speaking in tongue and calling it energy. It's a mixture. And this is why he called the people to be sanctified. And he says, don't intermarry. Don't intermarry. Now, this teaching of intermarriage with other nations was what the Southern Baptist Convention had used in earlier years to defend their racism. They used it to preach against what they call interracial marriage. But when God told them not to mix with other nations, it wasn't about a spectrum or hue of color. It was talking about you got to be careful in marrying people outside of your faith. Because whoever you marry, you end up adopting their gods. And that's why some of you in here look confused tonight. Because you've been intermarrying and adopting their gods. Somebody said, I ain't even married yet. I'm talking about the people you've been sleeping with. You end up intermarrying and adopting their gods. What you used to call sin is now just an alternative lifestyle. What you used to call sin is just what I do. What we used to call sin is just talking about, it's just the way I roll. So when we talk about Israel, it's becoming very complex for this church generation now. Because when we hear that Jewish people are God's chosen people, we have misdefined the word chosen. We have. We, we've, 
we've mystified a whole lot of words in, in church. Because what happens is we adopted the language from past generations. It is almost like kids. Our kids can mimic our words without understanding them. I'm serious. Yeah, your kids are cuss because you cuss, and they didn't even know it was a cuss word. <laughs> Where you learn it from? <laughs> I'm telling you, some of y'all better be glad you don't need to have small kids or parents. They will tell on you. <laughs> so what does the word chosen mean? We're not saying they are special, and they are special, but we are all special. We've all been made in the image and likeness of God. But when we say Israel is chosen, what we're declaring, chosen is deals with responsibility. He called Israel the firstborn, not the only born. Hear me? If you're the oldest child in your family, huh, that don't feel so special sometimes. If you're the head of the auxiliary or the music department or even a church, they don't always feel special. I need you to look at somebody and tell them people are jealous of you. But they don't want your responsibility. They want your title. But they don't want the responsibility. They want your seat. But they don't want the responsibility. They want the power. They want the influence. They want the image. But they don't want the responsibility. Scream at somebody. Tell them this costs me something. And it's still costing me. I paid for it and I'm still making payments. God uses Israel to really show us us. No, no, no. So I was in this dialogue with the gentleman the other day because he says, I know you are pro-Israel and I said well I'm pro-Bible it doesn't mean I'm not sensitive to the plight of the citizens of, the, of Gaza uh, but I know what the scripture says I've been praying this scripture Psalm 122 ever since I was a child pray for the peace of Jerusalem they shall prosper they love thee peace be with them when it gets fuzzy and foggy for me I go back to Genesis 12. They, I will bless them to bless you and I will curse them to curse. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the God we serve is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. And so someone said to me, why is it so? In, you just you, you try to act like Israel is perfect. I said, I never said that. As a matter of fact, Jesus called them stiff-necked and rebellious. Well, why are you so why is it so important for you to believe that God's hand is still on Israel? I said, I need to know that. He said, but they rejected Jesus. I said, yeah. But I need to know his hand is still on them. They said, why is it so important? It's some kind of colonial mindset you have. You've been brainwashed with this European Christianity that makes you fall in love with a people group that are imperfect. Why is it important for you that God's hand is still on Israel? I said, I need to know his hand still needs to be on them. Please, I need, I need to believe that. He said, he said why? Because I, said, I need to know that I haven't messed up so bad. That God has changed his mind about me. <gasps> because I've been rebellious. I've been stiff-necked. I've been backslidden. I was polluted in my own blood. 
and he said I know the plans I have towards you said the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to bring you to an expected end I need you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor I'm not shouting just to be shouting come on tell him I don't dance just to be dancing come on tell him I praise God because it didn't change his mind huh? I wish I had to praise him I gave him every reason to change his mind about me I gave him every opportunity to divorce me and when I was waiting for punishment he turned around and blessed me I need the perfect people to sit down and shut up but I need 75 of you that know you have been redeemed not because of your works but you've been redeemed because of his goodness open up your mouth and praise him because he's not just a promise maker he's a promise keeper and he keeps his promises to generation after generation after generation your grandmother died and God is still keeping his promise to her over you because he's a transgenerational God he made it to Abraham and fulfilled it in his seed scream at somebody tell him he's a promise keeper Y'all be seated. Hey! Thank you for not giving up on me. Hey! Thank you for not taking your hand off of me. Hey! Thank you for correcting me and rebuking me. But whatever you do, don't stop talking. Don't stop talking. Chastise me if you must, but don't stop talking to me. Because where will I go if he walks away from me? I don't have a backup plan. I don't have a backup plan. I don't have a backup plan. Everything I got is on this. I don't have a backup plan. I don't have a backup plan. Jesus looked at the people and he says, if you go going to be my disciple, you got to eat my flesh and you got to drink my blood. And the people walked up off of Jesus and said, this is a strange doctrine. And then Jesus looked at us and said, will you also leave? And what did we say to Jesus? Well, my God, some of y'all keep talking about I don't have to take this. I don't have to do church. I guess what? I need all of it. Yes, I've been hurt in church too, but I'm still here because I need all of it. What do you mean you need all? I need the prayer I mean. I need the Bible study. I need the speaking in tongues. I need the olive oil. I need all of it. Sometimes I need the devil cast off of me. I need all of it. And God gives us an opportunity. I'll be seated really quickly, please. God gives us a front seat to the narrative, the historical narrative of his relationship with his firstborn, with Israel, who he calls chosen. I need you to look at somebody and tell them, I'm messed up, but I'm still chosen. I got some contradictions about me, but I'm still chosen. I got some afflictions with me, but I'm still chosen. You know why I know I'm chosen? Because I would have never chose myself. I would have never chose myself. And question my chosenness in God 
Because there was such a contradiction with me. How can I be such a man of faith? And then I can end up having an anxiety attack. I'm going to talk to this side of the room. Because this side of the room, y'all got quiet on me over here. How can I be such a man of power? And then one text message can make me shake in my boots. How is it that I can give direction and prophetic words to everybody else? And I can miss stuff that's right up on me. And I'm thinking that my afflictions are a contradiction of my chosenness. There's no way I'm this chosen and I can lay hands on you and you be healed. And I got to limp away to the car. There's no way I can be this chosen and have these many afflictions. Until I found a scripture that settled it for me. The scripture says many are the afflictions of the righteous I thought if I was righteous I wouldn't be afflicted and I got a revelation that the more righteous you are the more affliction you have I need to hear the righteous cry in this room I need to hear the righteous cry let the devil know I'm afflicted but I'm still anointed I'm afflicted but I'm still called Lay hands on your neighbor's shoulder. Tell him your affliction is your announcement. Come on, touch one more person. Tell him your affliction is your announcement. Now, I want you to put your hand on that person's shoulder. And I want you to shout louder than the voice of the enemy. Shout louder. Shout louder than the voice of the opposition. Yeah, devil. Uh-huh. We got revelation now. You're not going to talk me out of my assignment. Not gonna talk me out of my son. Please be seated as quickly as you can. Let me get to this text. Israel goes to Samuel and says to Samuel we want a king and Samuel got offended I hope some of you all get this revelation Samuel took it personal and it won't even about him I said, what's going on, Sam? He said, I'm so upset. He said, what is it? I can't, he said, I can't believe the people did this to me. God said, what did they do, Sam? He's like, they asking for a king. And God looks at Samuel and says, I know I use you and all, but this ain't your rejection. Give somebody eye, eye contact. Tell them, this is not your rejection. Some of you are carrying around false rejection. They left your church and it won't even about you. They broke up with you and it won't even about you. They 
didn't support you and it won't about you. They are jealous of you and it ain't even about you. Some people don't like you and they have no idea. It's the devil on them that don't like the God on you. You can't around secondhand rejection. Samuel. They want a king. And they already got one and you're not him. I'm their king. I'm their king. He said, so you stop crying over secondhand rejection. They are rejecting. They're rejecting me. Y'all, for real, y'all sit down, please. Y'all keep distracting me. They are rejecting. They're rejecting me. Why do they want a king? Because everybody else got one. I preached a message Sunday night. Lord, say the same. I'm going to preach it Sunday morning at the Lynchburg church. I preached uh, God is changing my desires. Because a lot of, one of the greatest things some of us need to praise God for are the prayers that he didn't answer. Or if he answered, he said no. I'm not talking about the ones he said not yet. Because see, not yet will give us hope and keep praying amiss. And your prophets, your false prophets, and your little buddies, and your little BFFs to, to make you feel good and to massage your feelings. They tell you, oh, it's going to happen for you. No, no, no. There's some things that you want that are never going to happen for you because your desire, it comes out of the root of rejection, and your desires come out of the root of wickedness, and some of our desires were birthed out of perversion. They say we want a king because everybody else got one. You got to be careful in desiring what somebody else has. Because that's what lust is. That's what, that's what lust is. It, 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 all of us have desires and all of us have cravings. But lust is an unmastered craving. Hallelujah. Some things we be asking God for deliverance when he just needs to give us discipline. And we don't like discipline because discipline comes with partnership from us. See, you, it'll be easier for you to say, yeah, roll me in the floor and, and make me throw up and make me scream and holler. And then it'll be over. But what happens when you get up out of that floor? You still got to delete that app off of your phone. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. After you get off the phone, you still need, after you get off the floor, you still got to have a one-on-one sober conversation and say, hey, what we've been doing is not working for my spirituality. So what needs to happen? Forget my number. Don't call me. Don't text me. No, we cannot be prayer partners. We got too much history to be friends. This is Monday night. Too much history. I need some prophetic people. Just point to your six and tell them too much history to be friends. Too much history to be friends. Because you got too much emotional memory. You got too much physical memory that you'll automatically go back because you always been here. <laughs> You've been posted here so long that when God straightened you out. Being in the wrong atmosphere will automatically let you go back to your default when you don't have to. 
They want to be a king. They want a king. God warns them of what a king will be to them. I want to cry right here. I mean, we can't do nothing about the past, but how many times did God warn us? God warned them of what a king would do to them. And you know what they said? Okay, I mean, we still want one. What is it in us that de- desires to choose wrong? We can't even be surprised anymore. You know too much about God and God's ways and God's standards for your life to rebuke it as though it was something deceitful and manipulative. We make, we make Delilah demonic, but not Samson. Delilah was honest. And it won't his first rodeo. She kept saying, tell me the source of your strength so I can bind you. He was the liar. When people have told us their intentions. When they told us, I only see you as practice and not promise. And we still... People come to our church. I'm not going to join. I'm just a supporter. What does that look like? What does that sound like? A supporter. Oh, okay. A person who pulls from us, drains us, but never submits to us. Bible says, God gave them Saul. He starts out good. But then Saul didn't realize, Saul did not learn the discipline of operating in his assignment. Desperation. Be careful in going to the grocery store shopping when you're hungry. Because you end up either buying something you don't need or buying something you already got. Have you ever got home from the grocery store? Oh, I need some sugar. And then you get home and you got already got like three bags of sugar in it. Because when you get hungry, you get desperate. And you don't think clearly. Samuel had died. And when Samuel had died, there was a desperation from Saul to hear a word from the Lord because he has a ballad at Gaboya. And so he's, he's praying and God ain't talking. He goes to a witch. Even after he had established through the will of the Lord that there'd be no witches in Israel. Now he's going to see the witch. And we must be very careful in this hour because the enemy is not even vague anymore. No, no, no. No. Now some of the saints are wearing crystals around their wrists. And symbols. We are embracing the occult and the occult ways and methods. And it don't even matter what your most popular artist says or does. You will still ascribe to them. Because some of us are more cultural Christians than we are believers. 
<laughs> I'm the bishop over this church, so I just talk like this. Some of us are more black than we are believers. Some of you are more white than you are believers. Oh, I'm going to say it one more. I'm going to go a little deeper. Some of us are more American than we are believers. So anything that goes against our culture, our culture, what we like, what we want. Let me tell you something. The standards of God don't work for you unless they challenge you. Come on, fitness people in here. If you go to the gym and you're just picking up a weight going like this, going like this, I got this, I got this. It ain't building no mass because there's no resistance. And many of you are even choosing your church, your leaders, your accountability based upon the least restrictions and restraint. But you need somebody in your life that will put a weight on you. You need somebody in your life that will put a yoke on you. You need somebody that says, uh-uh, 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 that is too tight. Go change that. Because we're we going to be looking at your panty line and your drawers and not your Jesus. Come on. You need somebody in your life that says, you know you don't need to lead worship you know what you told me you did this weekend you need to sit this one out and get your spirit right you need somebody that's going to tell you after they go through and say and then she had enough there to say this and I told her I'm going to be honest I said this to her because you know I don't play like this and you need somebody that you let them get it all out and then they look at you and say well you know you need to go and apologize right you know you need to go ask for forgiveness what no see see see, see. we don't want real accountability we want people to massage us but muscle mass is not built through massage it's built through restraint resistance Ask your neighbor. I mean, I want every preacher in here. I want every evangelist. Everybody, look at your neighbor and ask him, who's challenging you? Who? Who tells you after you finish venting about your wife and finish venting about your husband? Who tells you, all right, I understand that. Go back home. Go back. Go back home. That does not, uh-uh, that doesn't validate you to start having an inbox conversation with somebody else. Come on. Go home. You made a vow and we were all there to hear you when you made that vow. We did the electric slide. We did the wobble. We ate your cake. Now go back home. I mean, see, that's what I'm talking about. Pastor, see, Pastor, he ain't right here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Do you remember what you said last pastor's appreciation? That you don't want to come off double-minded. No, 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 that's not you. You remember how loyal you said you were? Did you, you remember how pastor covered you when you was in your mess? Now you're going to act funny because of something you heard and something somebody said. I mean, loyalty ain't loyalty until it's been tested. You need people in your life that will get in your chest. Saul went to the witch. Now, when you look at this text, and y- y'all be seated, my introduction is always long, so I'm going to cut through the field to my text, all right? But I do want to say this one thing about the witch at Endor. And I'm going to tell you, it's the reason why, and I know sometimes, Church people are overly uh, spooky. I don't call it spiritual because I don't believe you can be too spiritual when it comes to the things of God. I believe if you're heavily minded, you'll be earthly good. I do believe that. Paul says, set your affections. 
all things above. So I, I, I believe, you know, people call me a little deep sometimes. Well, the opposite of deep is shallow, you know. And, and the last time I tried to live in some of these people's balance, I ended up falling on the wrong side. So I got to sleep all the way in the bed, you know. <laughs> I can't sleep on it. Tell your neighbor, come off the edge. Come off the edge. I sent that bishop a text today. <laughs> come off the edge. Amen. Amen. The witch of indoor is some, something. And because I know how real witchcraft is, now I'm not trying to be overly spiritual or spooky as some of you all would think. But it's because of the realness of it is the reason why I really don't watch horror movies. I really don't. Now, some of you have never experienced anything. So, you know, you're like, ah, it's just, come on. Y'all stop being so churchy. Well, I remember the night I was in an old apartment building where the windows had been painted over. And I could not open them. And the night, the night, the, the night we, I moved into the apartment, we had a prayer meeting in the house. And we prayed. And, for, and I remember I said, man, I got to clean these windows, but you can't even open them. They've been painted shut. And the landlord said, oh, they've been painted for like 10 years like that. They ain't going to be able to get them open. And I remember that night, a woman named Cynthia came into the prayer meeting. She had left her husband to be with another woman. And I never get my godmother prayed over her. And that night we prayed over her. She fell out on the floor and started maneuvering like a snake. And when we began to pray the blood of Jesus, say that y'all have to realize I grew up with people that didn't go to the doctor. Yeah. I mean, we grew up in a, I grew up in a small town and the nearest hospital was one hour away. So they quickly they would say, somebody fall out, call having a stroke. I remember a lady had a stroke. They said, give me the oil. And her, her mouth had twisted. And I remember one of the saints grabbing her mouth and put that oil on her mouth and twisted her mouth back. And said, now get up. They started praying for Cynthia that night. Cynthia was moving like a snake. And I would never be because I was early in ministry. And I wasn't a preacher. I was like, I was like 17 years old. I was moving to my own apartment at 17. And I remember getting down to, I, I remember when she started maneuvering like a snake and start making noise. I remember I almost got up and pulled back. And my godmother says, uh-uh, don't pull back. You know? When I grew up in church, you know, you get the kids out in that window. But if you're still in the room, you don't, you don't run. You resist the devil. You plead the blood of Jesus. I know what I'm saying. Some of y'all have no reference point, but hear me. We begin to plead the blood of Jesus, begin to pray. And I remember her spitting at us. And the spit didn't get to us, and it had a different color to it. And I remember we prayed for her until she got sober, and her eyes came back into proper dilation. And we prayed over that night, and we prayed, and we covered the house. Later that night, after everybody left, I went to sleep. And I laid down, and around 2.30 in the morning, I was awakened with the sound of windows opening and banging closed, opening and banging. It happened three times. And all I remember is my godmother, Mother Hall, saying, don't run. Because, you know, Wheezy, how our people operate in the horror movies a little different. Some of y'all like to investigate. Everything in me said, get out of Dodge. But I jumped up, I said, Satan! the blood of Jesus 
Hallelujah. You're not going to rule this house. We got authority over the house. So from, from there to traveling around the country to even last Sunday, a 10-year-old girl, it took four people to get to cast demons out of her after church. You use their proper boy. Because the spirit of perversion, she was a foster child, and the spirit of perversion was so strong in her mouth that she was saying things that adults would be ashamed to say. And she was articulating them with accuracy about anatomy and fellatio and different things. So she was saying it and strongly, boldly looking in your face when she said it. And when they started praying for her, a noise came out of her as a grown man. I said all that to say this. You better be careful about opening portals. Because what some of us don't realize, some of the things we're dealing with even now is because there was a window open generations before us and nobody ever had the discernment to repair the breach. But I need somebody in this room right now and the power of the Holy Ghost shout the blood of Jesus. I shut every dark portal that's over your house. I shut every dark portal, every spirit of perversion, every spirit of murder, every spirit of divorce, every spirit of promiscuity, every spirit of false imaginations, every spirit of wicked imaginations. We shut it down. We shut it down. The blood of death. Come on, come on, Zion. Release the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. Release the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. Give the devil his stuff back. If you believe God is real, you better believe the devil is real. There's an opposing force. And Saul went to the opposing force seeking divine revelation. He didn't want to go to battle without a word. So in his desperation, y'all be seated so I can cut, cut through this, all right? In, because of his desperation, got to be careful about being desperate. I need all the single people in here to raise your hand. Raise your hand. Look, raise your hand. I want you to say it out of your mouth. Shout, just because I'm single. Don't mean I'm desperate. And marriage is not an antidote for your lust. I don't care how much money you spend on that gown. That ain't going to keep nobody. Only the Holy Ghost. Hey, because we're leaving in an hour. Saul went to the witch, but in a disguise. This is when you see. I know now there's so many gray areas and we're trying to figure out what is permissible and what's not permissible. What should be bound, what should be loose for the saints. I'm going to always tell you a good sign when it's sin is when you got to sneak. One of the sins Apostle Paul makes reference to in the epistle is whispering. And it's too much that got to be said and kept between me and you. At some point, all of these little, all of these secret chats and these group chats in church. 
You didn't even open up the Bible app when I was reading the scripture. But y'all had already had a whole group chat. I can't believe she came, but look what she got on. And then you the first one talking about church ain't like it used to be. Yeah, because the saints didn't do this. You don't even know where your Bible is. You put your outfit together and didn't even pray. Went to the went to the witch sneaking, whispering. And the witch gonna do what she always does. Because let me tell you, I want to help you because some of you in your grief. Listen, in your grief, it'll make you want to find somebody that can communicate with your dead loved one. Now, I'm talking about in your grief. If you're not grieving in a healthy way, there's something called good grief and there's something called bad grief. It's because some of us picked up some really bad habits. Not because we were looking for sin, but we were grieving. And so sometimes, especially if somebody was snatched away from you, it'll make you want to go talk to somebody. I just want to know, are they okay? Did they make it? What were they thinking? And it'll make you want to go find somebody. And let me tell you something. Your challenge is, if you go to a real witch, I don't care what they call themselves now. They are witches and warlocks. Anyone access at, gaining access to the spiritual realm without going through the Holy Spirit is witchcraft. And I don't care how accurate they are. And I'm not just talking about people with palms reading signs in their window. I'm talking about some of these churches. I'm talking about some of y'all's favorite prophets. If it ain't through the Holy Spirit, but through holy money, and they can't give you a word unless you give a certain amount of money, and now they're calling it spiritual advisement and counsels, and you got to pay for the by, the by the minute and pay by the dollar, that is not through the portal of the Holy Spirit. That's through the greed of man's desires. Some of y'all will give a prophet that you don't know a thousand dollars and won't put twenty dollars in your pastor's hand. I'm going to tell you, if they're a real witch, they're going to be accurate. They're going to be accurate. That's why you cannot base whether someone is a true prophet based upon their accuracy. It's not about the accuracy, it's about the source. It's not about the accuracy, it's about the intent. Paul is preaching. I know this is a whole lot. Listen, let me, I don't get to come as much as I want to. Paul is preaching. And while he's preaching, while the apostles are preaching, the Bible says, a girl says, these are great men of God. They showed us the way to salvation. And Paul, he kept ministering. He said, oh, he's anointed. God's hand is on him. And he kept preaching. Then he said, oh, listen, y'all. These are some of the great, and Paul, come out of her demons. See, this is what happens. Some of you, your discernment is off because your discernment is being uh, sedated by compliments. And so people will compliment you enough that you don't discern their motives. 
she was saying the right thing but with the wrong intent she was trying to expand her business by locking on to the apostles you got to be careful who you give a seat to you got to be careful who you allow to sit at your table you got to be careful who you give your, your microphone to everybody that you meet in the street you don't bring them to your platform because whatever you put on the pulpit I don't care if it's a, the, a, the best organist in the city I don't care if it's a wonderful worship leader whatever you put on this platform you're going to validate and duplicate in the pews and the witch prophesies accurately she sees accurately why? not because she has access to the real people she has access to familiar spirits. A man born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. God gives angels charge over us. But the Bible also lets us know there are demons that have been assigned to us. And those demons that have been assigned to us are mimicking spirits. They're mimicking spirits. That's why the early church realized that when when they had worship, they said angels would come amongst them. And so that's why they says, try every spirit. It wasn't talking about human spirit. It was talking about angelic visitation. Because they says, even if another angel comes, like he, like an angel did come and came to Joseph Smith. Yes. Says, if an angel comes and gives you another gospel, let him be accursed. And an angel did come. Joseph Smith said an angel came to him. And gave him another gospel. An angel by the name of Mormon. And then they have a whole religion called Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints. They say you have the New Testament but you don't have the other testament. I believe he had an experience. But you got to discern because every spiritual experience is not a godly experience. I want to say this because some of you in this room right now. You're following a witchcraft spirit with the title prophet. And see what what's, what the internet has done now. The internet has globalized church. You don't have to go in. You don't have to get on an airplane. You don't have to go. You don't have to get a hotel room. But some of you are sitting under false teaching, and this is why when you go to your church, you're looking weird because you got a messed up diet. You got an internet pastor that's saying something different than your pastor. The Bible said, Saul goes to the witch and the witch said, what you need? He said, I want to call up Samuel. And you know what happened? Samuel came. The reason why I know Samuel came, because she screamed. She said, ah! Hold on, why are you, what are you scared for? Ain't this what you do? She did what she always did, but this time the real person came. And it freaked her out. And Samuel did have a word. He said, uh, Saul, why did you call me up? I got a word for you. Tomorrow, you're going to be sleeping with your fathers. In other words, tomorrow, you're going to die. And the next day in, in battle, Saul and three of his sons died. Depending on which uh, version of account you believe, one would say he fell on his own sword. But the Bible said David was hiding from Saul. 
Saul was trying to kill David, but David loved him. <laughs> Saul was trying to kill David, and David loved him. Saul was trying to kill David, and David still loved him. Some of you are mad at yourself because you still love people that have tried to kill you. Now, if I preach, cut folk off, hate people's guts, God gonna punish your enemies, it'll be a good praise break. But I want you to give somebody eye contact and tell them, stop rejecting the part of you that's the most like God. So you got to be careful because your family member says, I know you're not speaking to them. I know you're not being friends with them. Or if I was you, uh-uh, I, I can't apply. Control over this. I don't know why I still speak to them. I don't know why I still love them. Scream at somebody and tell them God did this to me. Because the me five years ago would have punched somebody in the mouth. The, the me a long time ago. I'm sorry. That's what makes David a man after God's own heart. Because when you got a heart after God, you don't want to see your enemies punished. You want to see them converted. I want you to touch three people. Tell them I don't hate anybody. I don't hate anybody. There's some people, they're not coming to my house, but I don't hate them. I don't want nothing bad to happen to them. We may not ever be friends again, but I don't want nothing bad to happen. God did this to me. God put that kind of love down inside of me. That's the kind of love that comes from the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, bless them that curse you. Pray for them that despitefully you. Come on, that's, that's good preaching right there. To the point, one man tried to take the credit and say, hey David, I killed Saul. And David said, Because although Saul tried to kill David, all David ever wanted out of Saul was a father. He had already been taken from Jesse and his relationship with Jesse was already complicated. He found himself in deep connection with Jonathan. So it seems like to me, David was just looking for a safe space. He was looking for connection. And that's why some of us got in some of the stuff we got into because we were just looking for connection. Because some of us, all of our lives, we've been by ourselves. Even if we're like David in a house full of people, we've always felt different. So, about, okay, this is the last time. Y'all come on. Y'all sit down. This is it. What time is it? Oh man, I'm past my time. David had him, the man killed that took the credit for killing Saul. All right? Now it's time for David to come to the throne. Only challenge is Saul still has another son by the name of Ishbosheth. So David is now king over Judah. 
And Ishbosheth got the majority of the tribes. And they have this civil war going on. Back and forth. But God made David a promise. That he would be king over all of Israel. Don't forget, he was, he was anointed in the house. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I may have just gotten to the palace. But I was anointed in the house. I'm telling you, that's what's keeping some of y'all is that house anointing. When God anointed you in the house and the church people won't pay, that's what's been keeping you. That's why you ain't lost your mind, Hallie. Because there were moments where you were in your bedroom floor and the oil of God came on your head. Tell somebody, he anointed me in the house. David loved Saul's son Jonathan they had a great relationship so now David is trying to fight for what he has and trying to take the entire nation while he grieves his best friend Jonathan well hold your peace and let the Lord fight your battle Victory, victory shall be mine. Leave it alone, leave it alone. God can handle it better you can. Leave it alone. I need you to look at somebody and tell them, shut your mouth and save your future. Shut up. Y'all didn't, y'all didn't hear that as a prophetic word? That was a prophetic word. Shut your mouth and save your future. David could have ran in on Ishbosheth. But while Ishbosheth was in his own chambers, hallelujah, two of his own captains went in and killed him. It gave David access to the whole entire unified throne. David comes into power. And the first thing he says, is there anybody left? Anybody. <laughs> what you talking about, David? Is there anybody left? Left by the house of Saul. Well, Saul, you ain't got to, David, you ain't got to worry about nothing. Because you know the songs they sang about you. They said, Saul has killed his thousands. And David has killed his 10,000. Here is your palace, David. But David said, is there anybody left? (laughs) Out of the house of Saul. 
You have to understand that when there's a monarchy rule and a new monarch comes to power, you want to make sure you destroy any potential faction that would attempt to overthrow your power. So the very first thing you do is you kill off all of the relatives that's related to the last king. And so David asked the question, is there anybody left out of the house of Saul? They said, well, there's a servant by the name of Ziba. If anybody know, he know. So David wants to Ziba. says, Ziba, <laughs> is there anybody left? I want you to grab your neighbor by the hand and say, oh, neighbor. I've gone through some storms. I've lost some things in the process. But tell them I'm still left to testify. Is there anybody left? Oh! Too many dangers. Toes and snares. I already, already come. Scream at somebody tell them I'm still here. And it's by the grace of God. Tell one more person, tell them, I'm still here. Come on, shout, I'm still here. I may be broken, but I'm still here. I got questions, but I'm still here. I've been distressed, but I'm still here. Ziba, is there anybody left? Is there anybody left? And, and, and Ziba says to David, yeah, one, but he don't count. Who is it? Jonathan's son. Close me out, Corey, because I, I, I don't know how. I won't close well tonight. I just feel the whoosh. Who am I saying? didn't die in what you was in is a sign that God got something tell your neighbor the mere fact that you survived it means God was behind it the mere fact that what killed other people you survived it God was behind it. Ziba says, David, don't worry about it. It's Jonathan's son. He's not a threat. Hold on. Jonathan's son? Yeah, but he's not a threat. What are you talking about? He lame on both of his feet. He's immobile. What happened? What happened to him? Was he born that way? No, he wasn't born that way. But in the midst of conflict and battle, his nurses attempt to save him. Ended up causing her to drop him. And after she dropped him, 
it left him crippled. I need you to look at somebody beside you. Tell them some of us have been stuck ever since it happened. Stuck ever since it happened. Because if he if he only hurt one foot, he would be at least be able to drag one foot with the good foot. But being lamed on both of your feet means I got to depend on everybody for everything. Now, who are we going to blame? Let's blame the nurse. Or do we blame his daddy because his daddy brought them into this fight? Or do we... His granddaddy brought him into the fight, but then his daddy ran off with the granddaddy and left him exposed so but it was really the nurse that dropped him she dropped him trying to save him some of us in this room we we need to release our parents from being what we wanted them to be but bishop they dropped me it wasn't that desire to drop you they were doing the best they had they were doing the best they could with what they had somebody need to get a revelation that your parent was a person that became your parent and some of them before they were even ready somebody in this room you were mishandled by a leader you were mishandled by somebody you see it's one thing when you've been afflicted by someone who's an enemy but it's hard to process it when you got afflicted by someone who was supposed to protect you who who so it's easy for me to demonize the enemy but the truth is no matter whose fault it is still lame on my feet and the reason why I need to have this conversation with some of you this is going to be theologically challenging for some of you in here listen to me listen to me listen to me some of you have been rebuking the devil because of the chaos of your last season listen and it won't him it won't the devil hold on bishop but you don't know you don't know what I went through I didn't choose that are you going to blame me no 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 brace yourself for what I'm about to say to you I know, I know, hold on. I know that's problematic. But what you've done, you have put God and the devil on the same level. But it's not like this. It's 
what do you mean, Bishop? When the sons of God came before God, Satan came also. And God asked Satan. He didn't say, get out of here. He didn't say, I rebuke you, devil. He says, where have you been? He says, well, I've been going to and fro, seeking who I can devour. Are you ready? Are you ready? You know the scripture, but you don't really try to pay attention to it. It's too, it's too complicated. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? God brought up Job's name. And a punishment of Satan is that he has to serve the purpose of God over your life. And this is what this is why Job says Job does hey I'm sorry Job got that revelation Job didn't have the book of Job to read but this is why I know Job got this revelation because Job does not say this to the devil he says it to God he says though you slay me can you worship God when it feels like he's killing you can you worship God when it seems like he's working against you can you worship God when it seems like he goes silent on you can you worship him lift your hands and begin to worship him I don't know what you're doing but I just got a revelation that that season that tried to kill me you stood by and you let it happen the Lord give it and the Lord take it away I know this is a little heavy right here but you haven't worshipped God until you worshipped him in the midst of your questions I need a hundred of you to lift up your hands if you just went through a bad season I want you to lift up your hands and say I don't understand it but I worship you I don't understand it but I trust you I trust you I trust you I trust you I don't understand you but I trust you I trust you. I trust. I trust you. I I trust you. David said, show me where he is. He got to door to the door of a physically disabled man that has lost his whole family and they said King David want to see you and look what he said no not something else I'm coming to talk to somebody in this room it's almost hard for you to receive an expectation of something else anything good because you're waiting for the rug to be pulled out from among you David is looking for you oh David said, I'm sorry. David said, I won't do nothing to you. 
That's what fear and condemnation says. Here we go again. Anybody other than me, you just been in a season like, I'm just waiting for something else to happen. I'm just, I'm waiting for somebody else to stab me in the back. I'm just waiting to be hurt again. I'm just waiting for something financially to crash. And David said, Mephibosheth, I'm not looking for you to punish you. I'm looking for you to bless you. I need you to tell your neighbor beside you, tell him, God is looking for you. Tell him, this is not about punishment. Tell him, he wants to bless you. Now, I want you to tell them why God wants to bless them. Are y'all ready to tell them? Just because you survived. You didn't do everything right, but you survived. You didn't dot every eye, but you survived. You didn't cross every key. Refuge, Casey, you went through a season, but you survived it. Your marriage went through a season, but you survived it. Your finances went through a season, but you Let me hear the sound of the survivors in this room. Let me hear the sound. Let me pray out here. So did Bishop Lampkin. In the midst of all of the conflicts with the Philistines, the Amalekites, even with the tribe of Judah, how did he survive then? Are y'all ready? How did he survive all of those years in the middle of those military conflicts being the son of Saul? When they were hanging the sons of Saul, they were hanging the descendants of Jonathan. How did he survive it? You know how he survived it? Because he was dropped. His handicap protected him. God told me to tell a hundred of you that were praising. God says, I had to break you to save you. I had to break you. I had to break you to save you. What you thought was punishment was preservation. What you thought was punishment was God preserving you. You to get out of your seat and throw your arms around somebody and tell them God was saving you the whole time. God was saving you. What made you cry was saving your life. What scared you? What you felt was shame. What you felt was embarrassment. God was saving you. Thank him for it. Thank him. Thank him for it. Thank you. Thank him for it. Thank him. Thank him for it. Thank him. Thank him for it. Thank him. It was good for me. It was good for me that I lost the people I lost. It was good for me that I went through what I went through. It was good for me that I was exposed when I was. It was good for me. He was saving me. Touch three people tell him he was saving me. He was saving
He will save him. For nobody now, cause I'm thinking about the times God was saving me. Through, uh, he was saving me through my own afflictions. He was saving. He was saving. He was saving. And David said, "Cause the bones you have broken, cause them to rejoice." I gotta get out of here, cause I got an early flight. But I want you to take 60 seconds and start dancing for everything that didn't work out. Come on. Start dancing. The Bible says man should not live by bread alone. But every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I pray that you are blessed by the message today. And if you want to continue to get more inspirational, motivational, and even more gospel messages, I encourage you to follow our YouTube channel or subscribe to our podcast. And today we want to give you an opportunity to partner what we're doing domestically here at our local church and what we're doing all over the world. There are ways to give. And remember, when you sow, that seed may leave your hand, but it'll never leave your life. The Bible declares to us that when we sow, seeds are connected to harvest. Well, I want you to remember that I know what it feels like to cry until you have no more tears left to cry. But after you finish crying, don't stop. Get up and keep going.